neighbors, this is Nicola, and you are listening to It's All Good in the Hood, Episode 2, I Like What I See. It's All Good in the Hood is a podcast about all things inner-city Edmonton, from Boyle Street to Delton, from Spruce Ave to Eastwood, and all the great little places in between. This podcast is produced on Tree Six Territory, a traditional gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Blackfoot, Métis, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Diné, Ojibwe, Soto, Anishinaabe, Inuit, and many others whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant community. First, I want to send a big shout out to Nadine Riopel for helping me get on my feet and get started with this podcast. Nadine, your resources and expertise were super helpful. Nadine has a podcast called Welcome to Town, which helps new Edmontonians become acquainted with the city. But it's also a really good listen for seasoned Edmontonians who want to look at their city with fresh eyes. Today I'd like to talk about perspective or perception. In particular, I want to talk about the perception of our inner city Edmonton neighborhood. Perception is a really funny thing. It can be influenced by many different factors. Things like where you grew up, what your income is, who your friends and family are religion, culture, experiences you've had in your life. And interestingly, perception is very much influenced by language, how people talk about things. Well, I think you're beginning to get the idea that I like to challenge the perception of our community by changing the way people talk about it. If you remember the conversation I had with Michelle on the last episode about the house across the way from hers with the boards and the windows, An outsider can easily determine that the house is a crack house or a flop house or abandoned and falling to pieces. But Michelle knows the windows are boarded up because it's being renovated. That changes right there how you see that house. And maybe using that kind of language can change the way people see our neighborhood. I thought that a really good way to explore perception of our neighborhood would be to talk to some neighbors who have lived here not so long that they don't remember their perceptions prior to moving into the community, but just long enough that they are now part of the community and can remember the transition from outsider to insider. Greg and Catherine have lived in the community now for two years, and they have very much become part of the rich fabric of the area. Now I need to apologize for the sound quality of the interview. I made a rookie mistake prior to recording our conversation and I did not calibrate my microphone. And I listened to the salesperson who convinced me that I really did not need more than one microphone for my podcast. Well, that salesperson was wrong. I definitely need more than one microphone. And I'm also not the best sound editor yet. So there will be times during the interview that the sound will sound a bit uh, metallic and maybe even a bit muffled. But bear with me. I'm ironing out the kinks and learning a great deal as I go along. And I also didn't want to discard the conversation because I think it's really important. It's really important because it talks about the perception that people have prior to buying into the neighborhood, when they first get here, and how that changes over time. So I am here with Greg and Catherine that also live in the community. They're pretty recent additions to our neighborhood. So it's been about two years now? This is our coming up on our second year, third summer. Yeah. What made you choose the neighborhood? Um, originally, so I was living in Drayton Valley, and then um, a friend of ours was selling 
her house that we've always loved in Greenfield, the beautiful 70s house. But just due to the economy and timing, that fell through. So we started a huge search. We looked in every neighborhood in the city. And uh, Gregory had grown up riding his bikes around here with his friends and, and spending time at the Italian Center mm-hmm. and was in love with this neighborhood. And I, I took a little bit of convincing. Yeah, we, uh, like, from a very young age, we would be at the Italian Center. My friend's father owned a dry cleaning plant down Little Italy. And we would be on 118th at Harry's Billiards or all these great places from the <laughs> old days when we yeah. were really young. And, you know, from those early years, it just this was a place of diversity, um, mm-hmm. trying foods from other cultures, and it always felt safe. Like, it just felt like the place that we always were. So, for me, this was, I mean, I grew up, uh, disclosure, on the south side in Belgravia. Mm-hmm. So, probably what most people in the city would see as about as exactly opposite right. as to this neighborhood. But it's, uh, the motivator for me was this is the, the house that we live in is the kind of house that I wanted to buy in that neighborhood I grew up in. But to do so there would be closer to a million dollars now. Right, and a lot of those properties have become development properties. Yes. Whereas here there's kind of a mixture of you still have a lot of original homes, and then there is some development, and then there's some uh, medium density and higher density on the main routes, which also adds to the diversity of the area, which is really nice. And so your real estate agent was Michelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So she showed us this house, and um, Gregory's adult daughter happened to be with us that day. And literally, the moment we sat down on their couch, we just knew that this was our house. But unfortunately, my house took as long to sell as this house sat on the market. <laughs> so right. it's kind of like destiny. So uh, we thought we would never be able to get it because my house in Drayton Valley, uh, because of the economy, took so long to sell. And this was still on the market, and we had looked at, I, I have lost count, but we had looked at, I want close to 20. Even more. Yeah. Houses all over the city. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was still very reticent about the neighborhood because of just rumors and, and things like that. But we come from punk scene in the 80s, and, and Gregory pointed out that you'd rather live in a neighborhood where you're not fooling yourself about Human nature, yeah. You know, you're, everything's real, yeah. And that's very true. And I think that the people who are marginalized in this this neighborhood, that this is their neighborhood as much as it is our right. neighborhood, and that you know, if you want to be a good person, that we should all be in it together, right? Doing what we can to help each other out. Yeah. And there's also lots of things to do. Like you can walk. How much do right? Yeah. And so that's what the other thing is that we realize is, is if we had bought that house. Um, there's nothing there. Like, it's this huge, beautiful neighborhood right. with nothing. Yeah, so you, you're going to drive to South Coleman to have to an afternoon out or, or whatever, something. Yeah. So, I mean, we spend the summer, because we're teachers, walking down the avenue, getting breakfast, eating coffee, yeah. walk to the mall. Right. Yeah. So we, that is one of the benefits of this area, is you, you get the best of many different worlds, because you get Lots of restaurants and cafes and little shops to buy things, but they're very diverse. But you can also walk to the mall, which is really not far from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also close to downtown, but we're also close to certain freeways like uh, the Yellowhead, 
mm-hmm. where you can just jump, jump on it if you need to go to another area of the city. And it's extremely walkable here as well. Um, and talking to Michelle yesterday, she was talking about growing up um, on the south side in Riverbend, Riverbend, and she just we didn't walk anywhere because there was nowhere to walk to. It was the gas station, and that was it. Uh, my yeah. best friend lived in Riverbend in the early days of that neighborhood mm-hmm. when we were kids, and couldn't really even go visit him on the weekend because you know you might be able to if you time it just right get a bus there. Yeah, but getting back. On a weekend day, yeah, impossible. So it's really nice having Nate nearby too. Mm-hmm. Like I think it changes the dynamic of the neighborhood, right? A lot. So you get a lot of students, and then Nate yeah. also does a lot for the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And they provide barbecue lunches for the schools for certain projects. They come out to various or um, events, and they they do a lot of donating, and they also bring all of the students in mm-hmm. as well. And that gives them a different perspective on our community. Yeah. Because a lot of those students are coming from rural communities as well. And they see some of the homelessness and they mm-hmm. think, you know, this is a rough neighborhood. But once you live here, you see so much more. Mm-hmm. And I, that was a really good point. The idea of at least you're getting the honest human experience here. Because even though, if you look at the crime maps, some of the areas don't show very many dots, whereas our area has a scattering of dots. But there's a lot of unreported crime behind closed doors in other areas mm-hmm. that people don't talk about, that they don't want the EPS or society to know about. Whereas True. here, I mean, what else are you going to do, right? We used the crime map extensively when we were looking at houses. Yeah. And you also have to look at the types of crimes. Mm-hmm. So the south side is really shocking because they're actually very violent crimes. Extremely violent. So they might not have as many crimes. Mm-hmm. There are many dots. Yeah. But you click on them and they're like home invasion and oh, assault and things like that. Yeah. Here it's garage, right? And yes, there's there are probably more, right, per mm-hmm. capita. But I'd rather have that, right? Well, and it was interesting. So looking at that census data, um, which is really, it's only, the census data is only broken down by community up to 2016. And the reason for that is they, if they break it down now, there's a chance that you can identify certain individuals. So what they do is they just break it down to 2016. And if you look, it shows downtown has the highest concentration of reported crimes in downtown community. But per capita, it's not very high because they have 13,000 people. And then next is Macaulay and Oliver. But Macaulay has a low population, so per capita it looks really high, whereas Oliver has a high population, so it looks really low. But um, Alberta Avenue, then we are actually quite low per capita for crime. I have so many friends around our age that rather glibly, you know, buy houses, you know, in and around the neighborhoods around White Avenue mm. because they're like, it's hip, it's whatever, it's, you know. Yeah, which is really up and coming. And it's safe, and it's all, and I'm like, it's not though. Because the thing that I find here in Alberta Avenue is. People that are violent with each other or having trouble with each other, mm-hmm. they already knew each other, and they were involved in something, whatever it is, together. Yes. Whereas the least safe place I have ever been in this city is White, White Avenue, Avenue in the evening. Yeah. Because the violence and the things that happen there yeah. are yeah. alcohol-fueled randomness. It's yeah. so random. Yeah. Strangers. Yeah. And yeah. You know, I have a, a, a friend whose name I won't mention, but just flat out attacked on the street. 
because the other person interpreted who they were as something they didn't like. And that is really interesting. So I grew up downtown, so living in this area, it, it, you know, when I bought in the area, I knew it was a little rough and that I'd have to, you know, protect myself in certain ways. You know, you always lock your door. But I already knew, growing up downtown, you don't walk down the busy streets at night. You just don't. I didn't walk down Jasper Ave after 10 o'clock at night. It wasn't safe. So 118 app getting the rep of not being safe, well, it's not safe if you're going out late at night, especially as a female. However, is that different from White Ave or Jasper I really, I agree with you, Greg. I feel like White Ave's, the, the violence there is more random. It is alcohol fueled, and it's also, I think, like, group being fueled. So if you've got a bunch of people and they get really drunk, and one of them kind of gets aggressive, and they all get aggressive, and it's not actually a conflict situation, which is what we get here, is two people who already know each other in conflict. Well, I'm coming from living in a rural community for 25 years, and it's not a safe rural community. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of assaults, especially um, young men. You know, a truck will drive up, and guys will pour out and beat guys up. And oh, my God. And walk into the store, you get screamed at, hassled in trucks, and it, it's... You know, and even though you're known, like it's even though it might be people who know you. Yeah. Um, riding my bike, I almost got run over on purpose. Like they'll here to run you over. I'm not trying to just straighten. I love drinking. No, but, but I mean, this is. I feel a hundred percent safer here, mm-hmm. and I have walked down the avenue at night. I've never. You never have. I've had one, you know, woohoo, jogging on 112. Mm-hmm. So this. But that's that's it. I have to, I, I I walk home from Oasis. I right, so totally comfortable. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that sometimes people in Edmonton, especially sort of you know our age, have this weird oh these neighborhoods are so bad or this is so rotten in that area. But you know, I I left here in my late teens to go to university and I've lived in now in Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary, London, you know, all these places. And people don't, I think they don't realize when we were younger, Edmonton was 375,000 people. Oh, yeah. And so there were, it was a different world then. It was there were some very dangerous neighborhoods and there, but people don't realize that Edmonton then was basically just Right a, 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 a really big rural town. Yeah, that's very true. And now we're this big metropolitan, you know, million people, whatever city. And you, you know, I live near Detroit. I live in Toronto. I, and guess what? Big cities have these problems. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in. People have violence, and people have these negative events, and it doesn't matter whether you're in an affluent neighborhood or the lowest neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's just perception. That's true. And when you're in a big city, there's more people, you're going to see things more often. The other thing is, if you're going to live in a community like this, you have to make an effort to be part of the community. Oh, and the first summer we were here, we made sure we walked up and down the avenue frequently. We greeted all manner of people. Mm-hmm. We had conversations, joked around. If we see people in our green spaces or whatever, I always say hello. Mm-hmm. Like, Not treat everyone as a human being. Yeah. yeah. And it makes, I think, it makes it easier. I think so, too. It right? gets other people's... Because uh, then they view you as a person. 
Right. Because you know you're doing them as a person. Right. So they're more likely to be amicable to yes. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And if, you know, I have had some negative experiences living here and, you know, helping broken into those kind of things. And I, there was a time where I was just grabbed on the street and it was really frightening for me. And, and it was a marginalized person and I don't know what he was experiencing, whether he was experiencing a bad trip or, um, or maybe because he hadn't had enough to eat or drink, he not himself. I was able to get out of this situation and I feel okay. And I know that some people who live next to certain problem properties, they have their experiences mm. much, much worse. And I absolutely support them. And, but when it comes down to living here, there's a sense of community that I don't think any other area in the city has. The day we moved in blew my mind because every neighbor came and introduced themselves. People literally hopped out of vehicles to help us move in. Literally did the, like, sappy movie, here's a plate of cookies kind of thing. Before we even knew our neighbor, two doors down, she brought us food. You know, like, it's amazing, right? Yeah. Everyone says hello every day, right? And that gives you a sense of safety as well, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it really does. And, you know, growing up in Belgrade, our home was broken into twice. When I was so a kid, and and you deal with it, right? Yeah. And for a while after, you feel uncomfortable, and you're like, as a little kid, and you know, sure, like we had some bikes taken from our garage, but two things: one, it was our own darn fault because we made it very easy for them to get the garage clicker and get in, so that can happen anywhere. But the other thing is, is that after it happened, all the neighbors are like, "Hey, my." Home alarm camera caught this, and we saw this, and oh, we'll be watching together, and then you don't feel alone in it. Yeah, that is a really. I remember when your garage was broken into here, and you had the video, and just everybody was checking in on you, making sure that everything was okay. Okay, here's my camera footage. And that's really cool. That is one thing that I really like about the neighborhood, and I think we primarily do it with social media, the way that we connect. But then we take that and then we create events where we spend time together. Mm-hmm. Like things like well, I was just going to say, there's, it's such a tight community that mm-hmm. way. Like there's like the, um, one Avenue ladies thing mm-hmm. has become just this amazing way to communicate. Yeah. Community events and, and connect with each other. With each other and of course, Mona Lisa's for wing nights and game nights. And yeah, it's a, it's a really tight. The aviary for karaoke. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, the group that arranged for rain barrels and, mm-hmm. you know, clothing swaps and, like, there's just so much to just be involved with mm-hmm. your neighbors as humans. Yeah. <clears throat> I kind of look at where my parents, uh, where my mom ended up in King Albert, and they've got a big backyard, which is nice for them because they garden, and it suits their lifestyle. But if I want to go to park, I have to walk about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really know the neighbors very much don't really know what's happening when people move in and out mm-hmm. and they don't nobody in that neighborhood does anything together. Whereas here we're always doing things mm-hmm. together. Which is really for myself is something that I really value. Mm-hmm. So for for both of you, what would you say if there was somebody asking about moving into the area, what would you say are the advantages? Well, I think it's an incredibly inclusive neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like inclusive in terms of um, skin color, orientation, you know, mm-hmm. everything. I, I think it's one of the most inclusive neighborhoods mm-hmm. in the city. 
I get a really artsy vibe. Yeah. From our little pocket here, mm-hmm. you know, with, with uh, uh, Richie nearby. Yeah. Nearby, we have a sculptor on the end of the yeah. block here. And, um, so I think the inclusivity, I, ever since I was a little girl, wanted a hundred, like an old, old house mm-hmm. in the porch. You know, this is literally my dream house. Yeah. And I didn't think it was possible. Like, I, well, for one thing, I didn't know there was so many left. Like, right. I had no idea there was this right. pocket of these beautiful houses. And I love, you have to be someone who embraces imperfection. Like, right. I love that our floors aren't perfect. Right. You know? I like, I love every quirky little thing <laughs> about this house. But if you need a cookie cutter house, you know, it's, it's not for you. But I'm coming from living in a brand new house. It was a six month old house and I bought it. And it was not well built. And I think a lot of <laughs> new builds. Problems. Yeah. I mean, every single light uh, socket was crooked. Like they just don't. Many builders oh, just slap them out. Yeah, electrical yeah. socket. They just <laughs> slap them up. They slap them together. Right, because they need to. They don't money care. On them it's just a generic. Like the drywall was so thin, oh, you boy. could push through it. Like it was a pretty little house, but it was just. Cheap and nasty, right? Certainly not cheap and nasty. Years, no, exactly. And we actually, long before we found this house, we actually used to have that conversation. Is it's not a house that's going to be there? No, a hundred years from now, it's no. just not it's too flimsy. And one of right? the, the things about this house and about our houses, our older houses in the neighborhood, which is not necessarily something we would consider ethical now. But at the time, they were built with old growth wood, and yes. old growth wood lasts solid. It's yeah. so solid, and the people that built the houses were artisans, yes. and they put the time and effort into them. Yeah. Um, so they will last, and they're just great. And there are some in fill, and some of it is really great. Some of it is meh, you know, the area, but. The one thing I do like about the infill is that it has also brought more people into the area mm-hmm. and more people that are really into the community. Yeah. But I think if you want to live in a place where you have walkable entertainment and food, mm-hmm. you can even talk about the food on the island. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely. You have basically the world at your disposal in terms of like food from different cultures and uh, countries. Mm-hmm. But is that uh, if you want to live somewhere where you have connection to your community and you have walkable spaces and green spaces, mm-hmm. you know, this is it. And we, have, we haven't even talked about festivals. No, and the festivals are amazing. I know. And, and they're that's free. another reason, right, is that's why I get that artsy vibe. This is that the Kaleido? Kaleido, yeah. And what's your in January. And then we just had Latin Fest just moved here. Oh, I wish we could keep it. I I hope we, you know what, I'm kind of hoping we do. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was really it great was to fun. have a diversity. Yeah, it was. And then I love Spirits of Fire. I always go to some of the, the shows and some of the poetry, uh, spoken mm-hmm. word events at Spirits of Fire. No, it's amazing. And then we've got the... So like I said, perspective is everything. And what I'm highlighting first about this neighborhood is how we connect with each other and how we create a sense of community. Community and connection with neighbors is not really something that you could put a dollar value on. And it's not actually something that you would put on a real estate listing either. So it's not something that somebody would know about our neighborhood unless we told you about it. 
keep listening in because on my next episode, I'm going to highlight one of our amazing community leagues that does an excellent job doing just that, empowering its neighbors to create community. Thanks for listening in to It's All Good in the Hood.